Okay, so let's start from the Mishnah on the bottom of 148b. The Mishnah tells us like this. You're allowed to count, a person is allowed to count his guests. Normally we refer to as are the, uh, like the hors d'oeuvres, right, the appetizers. Uh, it really means any, any uh, item on the food menu. You're not allowed to read it out. So you're allowed to go over out loud or orally exactly who you're planning on having over as a guest and exactly what you're planning on serving at the meal. You're not allowed, however, to read that from an actual written down menu or written down uh, you know, order of who's coming. And the reason why you're not allowed to do that is, um, so Rashi explains why. The reason why you can't do that it, it, the Gemara is going to get into you know two different reasons why why you can't uh, why you can't read it out loud why it's an issue to read it from a from a uh, paper. By the way, this actually still has relevance today because this is how we pass it. So that means that the hostess or whoever is in charge of the food, whoever's in charge of the menu, is not supposed to be reading from the paper menu on Shabbos. So somebody else can read from it because they're not responsible for the meal, but the host themselves is not permitted to read from it. Mapis Adam im im You can do mapis, which is to, uh, to do like raffles or lots with the people of your house and with your children who are sitting at your table. You're allowed to do lots to figure out who gets which section, right? So you have different pieces of meat and you're trying to figure out who gets which one. You're allowed to do lots. Figure out who gets which one. However, you're not allowed to do lots if you're not just doing this lot to figure out who gets which piece, but and the pieces are all equal, but rather you're also doing these lots to figure out who gets the bigger piece and who gets the smaller piece. That, that creates more of a problem. The Gemara is going to get into why that could be so. Right, okay, good. And you're allowed to do chalashin. So Rashi explains what a chalashin. They are goyralais. They are lots. You're allowed to do raffles for the kachim, the yamtif, but not for actual portions. This means when the kahanim, who are doing that veda, they're trying to figure out which kain gets to eat from, from this, uh, the, the, let's say someone brought a shlamim. So part of that shlamim is going to go to the kahanim. You're trying to figure out which kain gets to eat from it. You're allowed to do lots to figure out which kain gets to eat from it. You're not, however, allowed to do lots to figure out which kain gets to eat from this, this piece as opposed to that piece. Okay? And the Gemara is going to discuss why that is so as well. Okay. So starting the Amud. The Gemara says, "My timer. What's the reason that you're not allowed to to uh, to read who you invited for the meal and to read what your menu is out loud from a piece of paper? Why is that problematic?" Rebbe says, "The concern is that perhaps you're going to come to a race on from your piece of paper." Rashi says, "What are you going to a race? What you're going to race is like this: you're going to recognize that uh, you invited too many people, you don't have enough food. So what you do is there's some sort of I, I don't understand the matzias so well, but basically." The, the shamish, your, um, your butler, would normally go and invite the guests who you intended to have at your house for the meal. So the shamish is going to look at this list, and he's going to see it's a very long list, and he's going to be inviting lots of people to come, and it's going to be too many people. So what happens is you would come to erase it on Shabbos, and through erasing it on Shabbos, erasing a couple of the names from the list, you won't end up with too many people, and you'll be good. Abayah says it's a different concern. It's a concern that if you come to read the menu or you come to read the list of guests that you're going to have at your house, you might come to read Shtari Hedietes. Now, Shtari Hedietes is not so clear what Shtari Hedietes are. Shtari Hedietes means the documents of the lay people, right? They're basically secular documents. And the question is, is this only referring to 
business documents or is this referring to other things as well? It is forbidden to read Shtari Hadiyatis, right? You're not allowed to read the Shtari Hadiyatis in Shabbos. Now, it might be because of uh, a concern that it's too much business. It might be because of a concern of Mukta. There's a couple of different reasons given in the Rishlinim. And there's a big differentiation to be drawn, depending on what the reason is, how far do we extend this? Do we extend this to a newspaper about current events? Do we extend this to all secular books, right? So it's a big question in the Rishlinim and in the Achreinim. And certainly people, there are people who, um, who won't read any secular books at all on Shabbos. Certainly, have to close how, it does this, how does this work with um, with with it only being the host who can't read? Meaning, according to this, anyone shouldn't be able to read it. Right? Um, that that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, I guess we're going to say that we pass in like um, that that the concern is about erasing, and not that the concern is that it's similar to Shtar Hadiyatis. I guess I hear your question. It's a little bit strange because the Gemara is going to actually say that both of these points are true. I hear you. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why they say so. I mean, I have a difference between these two opinions. So, Jonathan, I think it's you. I'm going to put you on mute. Basically, I, I, wait, yeah. Everybody mute yourselves. And then uh, if you have something to say, definitely unmute yourself, please. Okay. So the Gemara says like this. What's the difference between these two opinions? If the concern is a concern that perhaps you're going to come to erase the paper, or if the concern is a concern that you'll come to reach the, the secular documents, right? The, the loan documents, or perhaps, like I said, even current events documents. The difference is, the cases like this was written on a kaisel, was written on a wall, and it was very high up. If the concern is that perhaps you're going to come to erase it, we have no concern that you're going to come to erase something that's very high up on the wall. You're not going to be able to reach it, so you're not going to erase it. And therefore, there's no reason for Chazal to say you cannot read it out loud. The document uh, with your menu on it, you can't read it out loud. Well, you're not going to come to erase it. It's too far away. However, according to Abaya, who says that the reason why you can't read from these menus is that if concerned that perhaps you're going to come to read other Shtari Hedietes, then you should still be concerned because you might still come to read Shtari Hedietes if you, if you start becoming lax about reading regular documents that are not specific to Shabbos, then you're going to come to read other, other documents as well. Now, to be clear, Shabbos is a time when we're supposed to be learning, right? It, it, the the um, Gemara makes it clear in many places that on Shabbos, they would, the extra time that they had, they would spend learning Torah. Right? The reason why, according to some, the reason why davening is shorter, Shemona Esrei at least is shorter, not the whole davening, but Shemona Esrei is shorter on Shabbos is because we need to have more time for learning Torah, right? During the week, you're busy with your with your weekday um, concerns, so you don't have that much time to learn Torah anyways in those days. On a Shabbos, nothing you can do. All you do is learn Torah the whole day. So of course, that's the, the ideal should be to learn Torah. Um, the Gemara says, one second, even according to the one who says that there's a concern that perhaps you're going to come to a race, you should also be concerned that perhaps you're going to come to read the Shtari Adetes, Besu, and also the Shami And is that true that if you write it higher up on the wall, there's no, more, no longer a concern that you're going to come to a race? Allah is that in those days when the candle was, uh, the light was coming from a candle and sometimes if the light was flickering, you would sort of, um, you know, tilt it a little bit or perhaps you would, um, you would play with the wick a little bit to make sure that it's, uh, it's giving off a clear light. So we learned earlier that in those scenarios, you're not allowed to read, you're not allowed to learn by the light of a candle because if you learn by the light of a candle, you might distractedly come to actually tilt it. And Rabbah, the Amira comes to explain, even if it's the, if the candle is a really tall lamp and it's the height of, you know, two men, 
even if it's the height of two, mardais are the the things that they would use uh, like a cattle prod. Even if it's the height of two mardais, even if it's the height of ten houses, one on top of the other, you're not allowed to learn by the light of that candle. You're not allowed to learn by the light of that candle. Now, clearly, why do we say that? Clearly, this is what we call an example of lay plug, where the chazal are not going to be mechalic. The reason actually does not apply in all cases, but the chazal are not mechalic between cases in which the reason applies and cases in which the reason does not apply. They make their, their takana, they make their decree across the board. So if that's so, then the fact that you're reading from something that's written high up on a wall, so what? It should be across the board. Even if it is high up on the wall, you still should not be permitted to read from it on Shabbos. I like it, but now you have to come up with a different difference between the two opinions. It's not in the case where it's high up on the wall. Everybody would agree, even in the case where it's high up on the wall, you're not allowed to read from it. So rather, the case is that it was written on a wall and it was lowered down on the wall. According to the one who says that there's a concern that you perhaps you're going to come to a race because you invited too many guests and through erasing it, your butler's not going to invite everyone. You still have to be concerned. According to the one who says that there's a concern that perhaps you're going to come to read regular um, you know, business documents, right? The So then we're not concerned over here. People do not get confused with a wall and a document. So just because you're reading something off of a wall does not mean you're going to start reading off of a loan document as well. Um, and so Toysus asks that... What, what's going on over here? Why does the Gemara now have to say we're talking about a case where you wrote it on the wall, but it was lowered down? We already established, even if you wrote it on a wall and it's high up, it'd still be forbidden. If you hold that the concern is you might come to a race, it would still be forbidden even if it was on a wall and high up. So why do we have to switch to a wall and lower it down? It's a little bit unclear. According to the one who says that the concern is that perhaps you're going to come to read from regular alone documents. Why is he not concerned? It, it, maybe you'll come to erase it. Why is he only concerned that you're going to come to read from other documents? Why is Abaya not concerned for Abayah's point that perhaps you're going to come to erase it? You have to say the cases where you not you um you chayek it you were you uh, engraved it on a tabla or a pinkas. A tabla is uh, different types of different types of um like slate or wood that they would actually engrave things in for uh, for the purposes of writing. But the difference being. And according to one who says that perhaps you're going to come to erase it, we're not worried that you're going to come to erase it when you engraved it. Why not? So Rashi explains, very simple. The reason you're not going to come to erase it when it's engraved is because it's a way more of a laborious process to erase something that has been engraved. And when you start that process, you're going to realize beforehand this is a Shabbos issue. When you're trying to erase something that's on a paper, it's very simple, I guess, to I guess pour wax on it or something, however they would erase it, but it's a more, way simpler one-step process, and therefore it's more of a concern that perhaps you'll come to do that without thinking about the consequences. However, according to the one who says that perhaps if you come to read this menu, then you might come to read regular secular documents, then, then you should be concerned over here too, just because it was written down on, on a uh, tabla or pincus, right, these other types of uh, materials, and it was engraved. So what? If you read this type of idea and you're already walking away from focus, like this laser focus on Shabbos, then you're going to leave then and start thinking about other things unrelated to Shabbos. According to the one who says that there's a concern, the reason why Chazal didn't want you to do this is because perhaps you're going to erase it. Why aren't they also concerned that perhaps you're going to come to read from Maybe what you'll tell me is that when you have these engraved stuff on a slate or on a piece of wood, that there's not a concern that, oh, if you read that, then you're going to come to read the loan documents. 
right? That's not so likely. People don't get confused between the two. But Tanya, the Gemara brings down a brisa. A person counts how many people are going to be sitting, uh, you know, in this part of the house. How many people are going to be sitting in this part of the house? And how many portions he's going to put in front of them? From the writing that's on the wall. However, not from the writing that is on a, um, not from the writing that is on a, a, a slate or a piece of wood. What's the case? If we say that we're talking about a case where it was actually written, then what's the difference between the case of where it's on the wall and the case where it's written on the on the document? It must be the automatic case where it was indeed it was engraved on the on the slate. It was engraved on the on the piece of wood. Ukatani. And still, what does it say? So you're only allowed to read it from writing that's on the wall. But not from the writing that's on a, uh, a tablet and a pinkus. So we see that even if it was engraved on a tablet and pinkus, it should still be usher. It's usher according to everybody, whether it's a baya, whether it's a beva, it's still going to be usher to, to read from that on Shabbos. You have to be cases where indeed it was written on a wall. We'll go back to the original answer. It was written on the wall and it was written high up. And that which you asked to Rabbah, that which you asked from Rabbah, that what was the whole question that started the Gemara off? Why did the Gemara not like that original understanding? That seemed to be very simple. What was the Gemara's issue with that? The Gemara's issue was that if it's true that we're not concerned because it's high up on the wall, that's not true. We learned from Rabbah that in the case when people are concerned that perhaps you're going to come tilt the, the candle when you're reading by the light of the candle, even in a case where it's not a realistic concern, Chazal did not differentiate. That was Rabbah's opinion. So he said, if that's Rabbah's opinion, presumably the same is true when it comes to a concern that perhaps you're going to erase it. And even if it's written high up on the wall and you're not going to be able to erase it, they would not have differentiated. The Gemara says, no, take Rabbah out of our, out of our vocabulary for this purpose. Why? The Rabbah Tanahi, because indeed Rabbah's really, his opinion is really, turns out to be a machlekes Tanayim. The Tanya, we learned in Rabbi. A person can count his, his, um, his guests and his uh, delicacies, his appetizers, with his mouth. Ravacha, however, permits in a case where it's ksab, which written something on the wall. If it's written lower down on the wall, you should be concerned that perhaps you can come to erase it. It's within hand reach. El alav, it must be the kasavu midli, must be the automatic case where it was written higher up on the wall. Ushmami, no, the rabba tanaihi. So we see from here that the opinion of rabba, that we differentiate, I'm sorry, that we do not differentiate, and no matter how high up the item is, if there would be a concern when it's lower down, when it comes to the candle, there would also be a concern when it's higher up. And therefore, we think to extrapolate from there to the case of writing, that if there's a concern, you're going to come to erase the writing. Whether the writing is lower down where you could reach it, whether the writing is higher up where you cannot reach it, the same concern would be true. Which the Gemara says, no, we see from this Raisa, then indeed there are Tanayim who don't think so. There are Tanayim who would differentiate between a case where it's writing that's lower down and writing that's higher up. Shmamina. Indeed, we can say from here and now we can explain that the difference between a Beve and a Baya is a case where it's written higher up on the wall. If it's a concern of a Raisi, no concern. If it's concerned that from reading the menu, you're going to come to read the Shtari Hedietis, that is indeed still a concern. And these Tanayim hold like these other Tanayim, the Tanya we learned in a Raisa. You're not allowed to look in a mirror on Shabbos, right? Rameyer permitted you to, to look in a mirror that was attached to the wall. 
What's the difference between one that's written on the wall and one that's not written on the wall? Because when one's written on the wall, he's going to remember that it's Shabbos. And he sees that he has here that needs to be cut, basically. And he's going to look in the mirror and see, oh, shoot, I need to cut some here. And he's going to go quickly and cut some here without remembering that it's a problem. We're not talking about someone who's doing this intentionally violating Shabbos. When Chazal make their decrees, they're never making decrees for people who will intentionally violate Shabbos. We're always making decrees for someone who will, caught up in the moment, will end up violating it sort of unintentionally. So therefore, they said, there's a concern that perhaps they're going to come to do this. The Gemara says, well, you know what? When it's attached on the wall, it's attached on the wall. You're going to go look at your hair. Oh, I need to cut my hair. You, know, you give a, you know, a, a, you give him a massive cookie, right? So you give him a massive cookie, he ends up looking in the mirror and then he needs to cut his hair. So you look in the mirror and you need to cut your hair. So now the thing is like this. When you go to get yourself a mirror to cut your hair, you're going to remember that it's Shabbos. You won't come to cut your hair. Gemara says, well, if that's true when it's attached to the wall, even when it's not attached to the wall, it should be the same concern. Before you actually get the, the scissors, you're going to re- remember that it's Shabbos. You won't cut your hair. Gemara answers, we're talking about over here with a mirror that is made out of metal. So what would happen is you would actually use the edge of the mirror itself was sharp enough to cut your hair. So you wouldn't have to go get a scissors. You would just cut your hair on the edge of the mirror. So if the mirror is attached to the wall, you can't really do that. You can't put your neck in a place so you could actually get your, your hair close enough to get cut. But if the mirror is a detachable mirror, then you'll come to use the edge of the mirror to cut your hair. And like the opinion of someone is likely to use it to cut the hair that is uh, that is uh, you know ro- rolled down and is in a place where uh, where you'll end up cutting the hair from there on Shabbos without really thinking about it. How is, this a, how is this a parallel to the whole lamp case? Okay, so, so we're, we're, no, we're no longer really dealing with, um, wh- what we're trying to say over here is that it's a similar case in the sense, do you answer it, do you forbid it, whether it's attached to the wall or not? Now, if you forbid it when it's attached to the wall, because we said it's machlekes tanayim, right? But those, that machlekes tanayim, everybody agrees that you're not going to come to cut your hair with the one that's attached to the wall. So why would you still say that it's answer? The Tana who says that it's still Aser is because he says it's across the board. Once we Aser it in a place where you might come to cut your hair, we Aser it even in a place where you're not going to come to cut your hair. So that is the, is the analog to that previous case. How far do we go with our concerns? Once you have a concern with a lamp that you might be able to tilt, once you have a concern with a piece of paper you might come to erase, do we say no matter what, even where you're not going to come to do that, we still forbid it. So it's a similar idea. So, so then Rabba should also be Machmir in the mirror case. So presumably, Rabba will be machmer in the mirror case, yeah. And we don't really have these types of mirrors today. And I think the, the mirrors that we use are mirrors made out of glass, right? So I, I don't think we have this concern. But parenthetically, when I was in ninth grade, my Rebbe taught, taught us that you're not allowed to look in the mirror. Now, men are not allowed to look in the mirror. There's a concern of looking in the mirror. According to some Rishonim, it's called a Maloy Silbash, right? That a man, a man taking on a woman's ways by looking in the mirror. Um, most Rishonim say that in a place where it's, normal behavior for men to be doing that too, then it's no longer an issue. And the famous, famous point is like this, that where is it possible, it's a riddle, where is it possible that you're going to be in violation of two separate Dine Drabanan, but if you do them at the same time, you're actually permitted to do that. Okay? So the Gemara Navaid Zara says you're not allowed to allow a non-Jew to give you a haircut. Non-Jews in those days were pretty nasty non-Jews that they were talking about. And if they're giving you a haircut with a razor, you know what they would do? They'd sometimes just kill you straight up. So you weren't allowed to let a non-Jew give you a haircut because he might come to kill you. So that was a rabbinic decree. Another rabbinic decree, you're not allowed to look in a mirror. 
when are you permitted to do them? When they're both together. If you're looking in the mirror, he's not going to come to kill you because you're going to look at him and you'll, you'll catch him before he kills you. That's the answer to the riddle that my ninth year Rebbe asked. Tonerabonon, we learned in the Baisa. Kasav amahalech tachas hatsura, tachas hadiyoknes. You have the, basically a caption. You have a caption that goes underneath a tsura, underneath a painting, you know, which is a form of something. The tachas hadiyoknes. The yoknes are basically like, um, like uh, I don't know, like a whole scene, like uh, it's painting a picture, like basically like, um, what are they called? Not murals, I guess murals, right? And what, what do they have? Like on the Sistine Chapel, that kind of stuff, right? So you have, you have this whole scene and then you have a caption underneath it. You're not allowed to read the captions underneath these the scenes. You're not allowed to read the captions underneath these paintings. Also, the Christmas Shabbos, you're permitted to read them on Shabbos. But to look at the actual scene, even during the week, it is forbidden. Lehistakel is not a phrase that means to look at it. Lehistakel means to like look at it deeply, not just to, to glance at it, but rather to gaze at it. It says, You should not turn to the elilim. Elilim literally means don't turn to idols. The Gemara understands like this. What does this mean? Do not turn onto the onto the El, onto the God, from your, from your mind. Now, we, in theory, and some Rishonim actually are incredibly stringent about this, and they would say that those nice pictures on your wall, Aaron, would be problematic. You're not allowed to have pictures like that even, because that's a diaknis issue. But most Rishonim say that this is limited to cases of where these pictures are somewhat uh, as part of the process of Avedizara. Okay? That's, and that's how we pass again. You know, I think almost everybody... So muse- museum, museums are... Uh... So, uh, places of Ovid Azura, the educa- educated people are there. A- absolutely problematic. So a, pl- a, place, a place that has a picture that, that uh, you know, was an icon, let's say. Uh, I, I guess an icon might be hard to define as Ovid Azura. It's hard to know how to, it, it's a question exactly how to define these things. But something that's actually used in the service of Ovid Azura, absolutely forbidden to get any benefit from. Really what we're talking about here is, is something that was not yet used for Ovid Azura. What is used for Ovid Azura is forbidden to benefit. Anything that's used for Ovid Azura is forbidden to benefit from. We're talking about something that was not yet used, but its point, its its purpose is to serve Avaidazara, but wasn't ever used for Avaidazara yet. So it does not yet have the prohibition of benefiting from it. However, because it's something that is supposed to help people, uh, their mindfulness on their Avaidazara, that also becomes forbidden to, to look at it. And that, according to most Rishonim, I think that's the that's the uh, Isser as it is today. But during the week, you can read the caption. During the week, you can read the caption, yeah. Yeah, this is true, yeah. If, um, if the, 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 the problem with reading the caption of these tzuras, right, the tzuras that don't seem to necessarily be us, right? The Gemara says only the diyoknes are forbidden to look at during the week, but the tzura is not forbidden to look at during the week. So Rashi explains, why are you forbidden to read the caption? Rashi says, same problem again. If you read the caption, you're going to come to read Shtarei Hedyetes, right? We see how careful the Gemara is that you should really, Shabbos is a time for focus. It's a time for introspection. It's a time for focus on, on Abedis Hashem. And, and if you have any free time, you should be learning Torah. Mapis Adam in Bano, right? So we said in the Mishnah that the person can do these lots with his children. In Bano, in he's only allowed to do this with his sons or the members of his household, but other people know. My time, what's the reason? Like if you do the said name of Shmuel, people who are careful with each other. You have people who hang out together, but they're very, very uh, careful. Makbid means uh, they're very careful. They're, they're basically they're, they're stingy people, okay? So they're going to violate three different prohibitions. One is mida, which is um, the the idea that you're not allowed to do, not allowed to measure things on Shabbos, you know, with a balancing them out, right? Measuring the weight. 
That's one prohibition they're going to come to do because they're going to be so careful with each other. I gave you a piece of bread last night. Well, you better give me the same size piece of bread today. You're going to come to weigh the piece of bread, Mushim Mishkal. And because of counting numbers, where you're not supposed to be counting things that you might then come to write down the number that you counted, Mushim Minyan. And um, I'm sorry, Mishim Mishkal, Mishim Mida, measure, Mishim Mishkal, weight, Mishim Minyan, numbers. Ooh, Mishum, Levin, Upeirin, Biyamtif. And also a problem of borrowing and returning on Yamtif. You're not supposed to be. You're not supposed to be borrowing and returning on Yamtif if you're going to be measuring out exactly. You're allowed to borrow and return on Yamtif in general, right? There's not a concern. I'm allowed to go over and say, hey, can I get a challah? But when, when people start becoming very, very careful with it, then what that's going to lead to, it's going to lead to people actually writing down the numbers. And right, that's a concern that Chazal said, therefore you're not allowed to borrow in a way that people are very careful that you might come to write down the, the measures that you've taken. So, so this could affect certain like board games and, th- and the like with a score. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is true. So some, some people will be careful with that. Like you're, you're playing like a boggle or something like that where you really want to try to remember what, what you did. Many people, and boggle might have a different issue because boggle might be an issue of, of, um, of Ksiva or, or Scrabble might be an issue of Ksiva if it goes into, um, if, it, if it goes into like the, if, it, if it's the Scrabble board that actually has like the sides that go up around each letter. With the frame. More, yeah, the frame, exactly. Then it's more problematic. A Scrabble board that doesn't have that, it's not as problematic other than what Aaron just pointed out, which is that, you might then come to write down the numbers to make sure that you, you know where you're up to. Okay. Um, and, and according to Beiselel, there would also be a lav, uh, not a lav, but an Yisudarabanon of, of ribis as well, right? What's the ribis? The ribis issue is, well, if you're really, really careful, if you borrow pickles from your neighbor and you go over and say, hey, can I have two dill pickles? Right? Now, if your neighbor's really, really mockbed and oh, if you're going to borrow two, you better give me back two dill pickles too. Well, you're not allowed to, without getting into ribis too much, but there's the, the prohibition called sabasa. The sabasa prohibition means that you're not allowed to borrow produce with the intention of giving back the same amount of produce. The concern is that perhaps the produce will have gone up in the interim. So you'll have borrowed you know, two pickles, but two pickles today is not worth the same as two pickles tomorrow. So if you're going to be careful to give back two pickles, then you're giving back something that's more valuable than what you initially took. It's only an isr darabanan, but therefore Chazal said we don't want you doing this at all. So when you borrow produce with the intention of returning produce, tech, either you have to be the type of person and the type of measurement that nobody cares about at all, or it's going to have to be tied to the market value, and that's what you're going to be what you return. So if you borrowed six eggs, so you have to actually calculate what's the market value of six eggs, and then when you return the six eggs, when you return the eggs in the future, don't return six eggs if that's worth more. Rather, return that market value as it was initially, that amount of eggs in the future. Okay? But if these two people are very mockbit on each other and they're always like, oh, you took from me this, so you, you got to return exactly that. If you're very careful about that, then there's a concern that there's also a ribbis issue, a, an interest issue that's going to be violated. If so, then we should also be concerned that you shouldn't be allowed to do these lots for members of your household either. I have this concern that there's going to be, people will start writing things down. They're going to start measuring it, which is forbidden on Shabbos. One of the children of his house, the children and the members of his household, the reason why you're allowed to do this is like which of you, that which of Yehuda says the name of Rav. I'm Rav Yehuda, I'm Rav. You're permitted to lend to your children and to the members of your household with ribbis. Now, how can you possibly be permitted to lend to the children of your household with ribbis? It's a prohibition on a Torah level. So that they should recognize how awful it is to have to pay someone ribbis. Right? Now, the, the, the Gemara in, in Bavmetia makes it clear, the Rishayim of Bavmetia make it clear, we're talking about over here where the father is lending the money, but really it, it's all his money. So it's really kind of a game. Because if, if the father would actually lend the child money, 
and then make the child pay him back from his own money, that would be a problem of ribis de raisa. We're talking about over here is where it's not ribis de raisa. And, and Rabbi Yehuda Marav says that you're still permitted to do this even though it is the appearance of ribis because you want to teach your children how awful it is to have to, the bite of ribis. You don't want them to, you want them to learn it, they never do it. Other Amarayim, uh, other Amarayim argue over there and say, actually, it's the opposite. They're going to see how geschmack it is to get ribis. And perhaps they're going to make it likely that they'll want to lend ribis in the future. So therefore, you're not allowed to even do it under those circumstances. But what we're saying over here is that this entire scenario is a scenario where we're not concerned that you're going to come to measure it because it's because what we're doing is um, what we're doing is uh, what we're doing is it's not a concern because you're talking about the children of your house who are getting everything from you. So they're not going to be careful to make sure that they're getting exactly the same measure as somebody else. Well, if so, then even why do we say that you can't you can't give one kid a larger portion and another kid a, a smaller portion based on what the lots fall out? Even that should be permitted. Indeed, it is permitted. The Chasuri Machsar, the Mishnah doesn't say that. So you're going to have to stick something into the Mishnah. As we say, A person can do lots with his children and the members of his household on his table. And even if it's a large portion against a small portion. My time, what's the reason? Stick some extra words into the Mishnah. You're only permitted to do this when it is your children and members of your household. However, if it would be other people, you wouldn't be permitted to do this. My time, what's the reason? If you're talking about doing lots and you have two guests at your house, right? And you say, that, listen, this is what we're going to do over here. I have a coin here, okay? And I'm going to flip the coin. And whoever gets heads, you, whoever guesses heads, they're going to get this portion if it turns out on heads. And the other guy will get that portion if it turns out on tails, right? You're not allowed to do that during the week. Why? Because it's too similar to Masachik the Kuvia, the people who are the gamblers. And we don't want people gambling. We want people staying very far away from gambling, and therefore that's forbidden even during the week. To speak this out, by the way, the Mishnah is a little bit of um, anachronistic uh, terminology over here, because they're saying that the Mishnah is missing words. And then what they're saying is adding these words to the Mishnah, like these Amarayim. Well, the Mishnah would never say, like these Amarayim. What it means to say is the Mishnah, if it would be added on, it would be added on like the position that these Amarayim are memorable for stating, but obviously it's a really an older position that they're quoting. Matilan Chalashin Al Bakulus, we said you're allowed to do these lots when you're trying to figure out which kind gets what portion. My Avalayalamanus, why do we say that not when it comes to the um, not when it comes to the actual pieces of meat, but rather just do they get from this offering at all? I'm Rav Yaakov Rader Bas Yaakov. Rav Yaakov, the son of the daughter of of Rav Yaakov, right? So Rav Yaakov is the grandson of Yaakov, and it, it, we, he's one of the uh, Amarayim that are quoted by their, uh, being focused on their, who their mother was, not who their father was. Some of these Amarayim, their mothers were, were captured and uh, taken advantage of by a non-Jew, and therefore we don't want to quote them by their father's name. We quote them by their mother's name. But you do not do these lots for the leftover portions of carbonis that were supposed to be eaten during the week. And now we're going to do them for on Yom Tov. That we wouldn't do. Shita, this is obvious. Since it says, basically, this is the, the famous idea about Kehanim, that your, your nation are like Merive Kehin, like the Kehanim who Merivim, right? The, the Riv is uh, to, to fight with each other. These, your people are like Kehanim who fight. I might have thought to say like this. Since Kehanim fight with each other, Kehanim are, are hotheads, right? They're zealots. So since they fight with each other, we don't want to take any chances that they're going to be fighting with each other. Perhaps you'd even be permitted to, to cast these lots 
even on Yom Tif, even on the portions that were really left over from the weekdays. Okay. Now, exactly why mana, why why doing lots on on uh, on Yom Tif and on Shabbos? Not so clear why it's Asr. There's a bunch of different opinions why it might be Asr. You know, maybe it's a concern that you're going to come to write down. Maybe it's a concern that it's Ovdin Nechal, that it's too similar to a weekday activity. And this has ramifications for, um, and also for the measuring, right? So this has ramifications for right? doing raffles on Shabbos. Like uh, you have like a, a Pirche or like a Avasubanim learning session on Shabbos and you want to have a raffle, right? Are you allowed to have a raffle on Shabbos to give out one prize to one individual? Is there a concern? that perhaps the, one of these things will come up. It seems like it might be a little bit better in that case because it's not that each person is getting their own portion. The question is who gets what portion. If each person is getting their own portion, the question is who gets what portion. That's more of a problem when, than when only one individual is getting one thing out of a large group of people. That might be better. So, so the way Spartan auction off Aliyahs on Chavez is not such a good thing. Um, no. No, I'm confused. Why? Well, you're out of a concern that they might come to write it down. You're saying? No, no. I mean, it's, they're basically it's like an auction. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think an auction is the same thing. The concern is that with a with a raffle, the concern is that if there's people are trying to figure out what everybody wants to make sure that they got the same size piece as everybody else, then they might come to measure. It. But then there's an auction, then people are basically bidding, and whoever bids the highest amount, he's getting that number, right? He's getting that aliyah, right? There's nothing. There's not really that much to fight about. Right? It's, it's not the same concerns in terms of a concern that perhaps someone comes to write it down. Maybe it's maybe not, it's not it's like not it's not in the nature of a business transaction. No, no, it's not. It's it's in the, no. It's not really a business transaction. It's really tzedakah, right? That's really what's going on over here, right? You're not buying the aliyah. It's tzedakah, right? It's it's a social contract that the show is agreeing that whoever whoever pays the money they deserve that aliyah. But it's not like a, a sale, right? It's not literally a sale. If it was literally a sale, it'd be problematic. Yeah. Now that we're quoting this, I might really start quoting other statements from him as the Gemara is wont to do. Anybody whose friend is punished because of him, they do not bring him into the mechitza, into the, um, the, like the, the mechitza, like the, into the room, basically, into the inner room of Hashem. We know, and how do we know this? Maybe what you'll tell me is Gemara now is going to get into an interesting Agadic Gemara. Maybe what you'll tell me is because it says in the Torah, it says in Malachim, Vayemer Hashem, and Hashem says, Mi yiftach es achav, who is going, Mi yiftach, I'm sorry, Mi yiftach es achav, who is going to um, seduce achav, right? Not in, not in a, um, not in a marital relations type of way, but rather in a convincing him to do something wrong, Vayal, and he will go up, Vayipol barome skilot, and he will end up uh, being killed at Rome skilot, Vayemer, and he says, Zeb bachav, Zeb aimer bekah, and this guy says like this, and this guy says like this, and then the, the spirit will go, and he will go and speak in front of Hashem, and he says, I will convince him. And he says, and he says, I, basically the spirit is saying, I will go out, and I will be a, a false, a false, um, a false spirit in all of the, in the mouths of all of his prophets. Achav had many, false prophets. And these false prophets all told him that if he goes out to battle at Ramah's Gilad, he will be successful. And Malachim tells us, why did he do this? What convinced these false prophets to tell him that? That was this spirit who was no longer alive that came in and convinced them to say this. Excuse me. By Yemer. And Hashem says back to him, You're going to do this and you will be successful. Say, go out and do this. And they say, what is this? This is the 
the spirit of Navais, right? So the, the famous story of Navais, Navais had a, had a beautiful uh, vineyard. And Isabel really wanted, Isabel is, is Jezebel, the wife of, uh, of Achav, and she really wanted this uh, vineyard. And Yachav wanted this vineyard. And Achav asked him for it, and he said, no, I'm not going to sell it for love or money. So Isabel said, you're so stupid. What are you offering to pay for it? Just uh, falsely accuse him of doing things that are wrong, and, and we'll kill him. And we'll have him executed for doing the wrong thing. And when they have him executed for doing the wrong thing, then, uh, then you'll, own his, uh, you'll own his property. And indeed, that's what happened. So Navais was still furious with him, even though he's dead. And Navais then says, you know, I'm going to cause him to lure him to his death, even though he, he deserves to die for everything that he's done. We might say, when Hashem says, go out, what does that mean? Maybe what it means is that go out from within my, my, uh, my room. So maybe this is what Rabbi Yaakov was making a statement based on. That in this story, what we see is that someone who brings about the punishment of someone who's doing the wrong thing. But since you brought about the punishment, you no longer deserve to be within the inner uh, room of Hashem. Umar says, you can't bring a proof in there. Dilma Hassam, Hainu Taimu, why did Hashem say, leave my room? It says, Right, that the, 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 the thing that speaks uh, falsehoods, will not, uh, means to, like, to, be, to be built. It should not be built in front of me. Right? So therefore, maybe the reason why this uh, spirit is kicked out of, the, out of Hashem's room is because of the, the falsehoods that he's peddling, not because of uh, the fact that he caused someone to get punished. So rather learn now from here. It says like this. It says, Savata Kaloin Mikavoid. Shasa Gam So the, the Gemara is going to explain what's going on over here. Savata Kaloin Mikavoid. You're satiated with Kaloin with uh, humiliation, Mikavoid. Except, in, in, not except for, but um, instead of Kavoid, uh, honor. Zenuchanetz is different than Ruchanetz. Shasa Gam you should drink, you and the Ha'aral, the, the one who doesn't have a circumcision. Zet Sitkiyo, this is Sitkiyo. What's going on over here? So the Gemara is going to explain what, what, what exactly we're referring to here. Chada, right? So, so Nebuchadnezzar is the one who kicked out the Jews from the, at the first uh, Galus. And Sitkiyo was the king. He was a righteous king. So Chada, the Kulei Krab, Nebuchadnezzar. First of all, the whole Pasuk is really referring to Nebuchadnezzar. Boi Sitkiyo, and Sitkiyo, Tzadika. Sitkiyo is, is a righteous person. So what, what are you blaming him for? What could he possibly have done with Nebuchadnezzar? When, this, uh, when the wicked person wanted to do to the tzaddik this deed, then what was the tzaddik's response? And the Gemara is going to explain what exactly is going on over here. So rather, there's a third place that we're going to have to try to prove a reactive statement from. A reactive statement was that causing bad things to happen to people, even if they are uh, evil, that will cause you to get punished. Even to, to, uh, to cause punishment, the tzaddik, the righteous, causing punishment to the righteous one is not a good thing. When we say, we say it is not good, what we really mean to say is it's not not good, we mean to say it's bad. So, and it says, You're not a Hashem who wants a Russia. It says, It says, the, the uh, evil does not dwell with you, rather, you are a tzaddik. So since you are a tzaddik, since you are righteous, then therefore evil is not going to dwell with you. What does this seem to indicate? How do you know that chalashim is a language? Remember in the Mishnah we said chalashim for the kehanim, that they would do this chalashim for the, for the uh, karbanis. How do we know that that's a lashim of pura, of uh, pura from like purim, right, from lats? It says, How you've fallen from shemayim, from heavens. Hillel. Hillel ben Shachar, Negdaat Laaretz Chilesh, Al Goyim Right? So 
negda. So negda gada means to be cut. Negda as you're cut down to the ground. Chelish al goyim. The one who is chelish, one who misirashi muchanetzer ksiver tamad muchanetzer. The one who who passes lots basically over the goyim. Right? What's this referring to? The Gemara is going to explain. I'm a rabbi Ravuna. Gemara says like this, you know what happened? Basically, all the kings that he had uh, dominated and he had taken over, he had the, the largest kingdom in the world. He took them, and each day he would pass lots, but the lots were not to figure out who's going to serve him. The lots were to figure out who, which king is going to be sodomized by Nebuchadnezzar. And it says, And it says all of the, of the kings of the, non- of the nations they would all be in, in a similar position, right? That basically when the Buchanetzer dies, then they were so happy because they were, they were Nachu, they no longer had to deal with Mishkav Zachar of, of getting sodomized. All the days of this Russia, there was no happiness in the mouth of all, all creatures. It says, that then Nacha, it was resting, that the entire land was quiet. All of a sudden, they, they start singing. We see that up until now there was no singing. When the Vilchanetzer was alive, there was no singing in the land. It's forbidden to stand in, in the house of that wicked man. It says that the Seirim, the, the demons, uh, the evil Shadim, the, the, the spirits, they're dancing there. When he wanted to sodomize Tzitkiyo, you know what happened to him? All of a sudden, his foreskin was uh, stretched out for 300 amas, right? Um, this is clearly not meant to be understood, literally. And his foreskin stretched so big that it basically surrounded everybody who was sitting within this circle. As it says, It says that instead of, uh, of honor, you're filled with humiliation. Drink you and your aral, and the, the foreskin. The gematria of Aral, Ayin, Reish, Laman, is the gematria is 300, right? So Reish is 200, Laman is 30, and Ayin is 70. Om Rav Yudam Rabbi, he says the name of Rabbi. Sashi Yaradai said Rosh to Gehenim. When Nebuchadnezzar came to Gehenim, Roshu called Yaradai Gehenim. Everybody who was dwelling in Gehenim, they got all uh, nervous, right? And they started tittering. Uh, Omru, Shema, Limshol Aleim Huba. Maybe he came to rule over us. Oyle Chalek, Oyle Chalek, Skemoysim Huba. Or did he come lechales, right, to become uh, to become uh, like like weak, like they had been weakened? Shneimer says, "Gam ata cholios kemainu elenu nimshal nimshales yatasa." So he says, "Elenu nimshales, right? Are you coming to rule over us?" Yatsa baskel, a voice comes out from the heavens. Amen. It says, "Mimi, mimi naamat rada veheshkava es arelim." So he says. Who who do you think like uh why do you think that you're higher up than them? Go and lie down with the Arelim, with the with these uncircumcised people. So basically Nebuchadnezzar comes down to Gehenim and it's unclear if he's gonna play still play a role of leadership and domination, and a heavenly voice comes down and says, You are done. Right? And no no more leadership. You kind of misplaced your um you didn't quite do it properly. <laughs>